Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by Shop Wild Rose Farmer. Get your new favorite graphic farm t-shirt, tank top, hats, and more over at Shop Wild Rose Farmer. Join the Wild Rose Farmer community email list and save 10% off your order. And be sure to stay tuned to the end of this episode to hear all about an exciting new design launching today. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. On this week's episode, you'll hear from Sarah Beth Johnson from Flying Pig Cattle Co. in Arkansas. Sarah Beth, along with her husband, own and operate a commercial cow-calf operation, raise meat goats, and even have a few miniature Hereford cattle just for fun. Sarah Beth also works off of the farm as a County 4-H agent, where she has been working hard to navigate programming and events to help continue to serve the kids and families involved in 4-H during COVID-19. And before we get to Sarah's episode, we're going to read a wonderful listener review. So this one comes from Steph Takich. I'm really sorry if I butchered your last name from Apple Podcast. This five-star rating and review is titled Inspiring Young Women in Egg. As a young woman in agriculture, I love hearing about other women and their stories. It never fails to continue to inspire me to keep pursuing my passions and growing with hopes of becoming one of these outstanding women. Well, thank you so much, Steph, for your kind rating and review and kind words that you left over on Apple. I agree with you. These women are super inspiring and I just, I get misty thinking about all of the incredible women that I have been honored and privileged to have interviewed over the last 50 some odd episodes and continue to interview. And um, yeah, I have no words. I just keep rambling on about all of the great women in agriculture because honestly, I literally have not ran out. And guys, you may have noticed last week in Star's episode and this week in Sarah Beth's episode that my audio may not be the greatest. And this could be my rookie mistake of not checking my uh, microphone before (laughs) we started. So even after 50 some odd episodes, I'm still not a professional at this by any means. So I want to apologize for this episode and some in the future, if I'm being honest with you. I tend to record in advance. So I have the time, the energy, and all of the things to get these episodes out to you every single week. So just go with it. (laughs) So without further ado, my friends, let's get to Sarah Beth's interview. Hello, Sarah Beth. Hi, Caitlin. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I am doing so good. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman Podcast today. I am so excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I've been super excited about this. Yes. So one thing that I'm also excited about is having a Southern Belle on the podcast so I can highlight your beautiful accent like we were just talking about before I hit record. (laughs) 
I don't know that it needs to be highlighted, but as long as people can understand me, we're accomplishing our goal. Yes, exactly. If they can understand a southern Arkansas accent and they can understand a Canadian one, we are good. <laughs> we're broadening their horizons. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Sarah Beth, for my listeners who are unfamiliar with you, give us a bit of your background of who you are and where you're from. My name is Sarah Beth Johnson, and I'm from Arkansas, and I'm from what we call the Delta of Arkansas. So the eastern half of Arkansas is what we call the Delta. We're on the off the Mississippi River Delta. Very good. And how did you get your start in agriculture? And tell us where it all started for you and where you are today. So I've always been involved in agriculture my whole life. I don't know if there was a specific start to it. Growing up, Instead of being really heavy into the livestock or row crops like is common around here, I was a rodeo girl. So I grew up on the rodeo road, competed in every event you can imagine in rodeo. Um, my sister and I, my parents were great, and they hauled us all over the country to compete. Um, we also had some livestock. I got my first goat when I was six, and so we raised goats most of my childhood. Um, we had cattle here and there, not a big herd or anything like that, but I was just always involved in in some aspect of agriculture. And so whenever I went to college, I didn't know what I wanted to do because who does? But I knew I wanted to do something with agriculture. So I ended up getting an ag business degree. And um, when I graduated, I stayed involved in agriculture. And when my husband and I got married in 2015, we started our own farm. That is so amazing. I love that you were in the rodeo. I think that's so fun. I obviously didn't grow up in rodeo, but I do have cousins that did, and I was always so jealous of them, and I think like it is such a cool talent to have. I'll just say that I was blessed with an amazing childhood, and rodeo was a big part of that. It definitely kept me out of trouble, and I didn't have money to spend on anything that else that could get me in trouble because all my money went into horses and rodeo. So, I mean, <laughs> I thought it was a great way to grow up. For sure. What was your favorite event that you did in rodeo? Probably goat tying or breakaway roping were my favorite, too. I am so jealous of your childhood right now, of all of the goats <laughs> <laughs> that you've had throughout your entire life. That is so great. I can't remember my life before I had goats. I still remember the first goat I got for my birthday when I was like six, popcorn. And I've had so many over the years. They all, You know, they all have personalities. And so goats are just fun. They make me happy. I'm sure, like, non-goat people that listen to this podcast just roll their eyes every time I interview somebody with goats because we just fangirl over goats the whole time. And listen, I always say in the agriculture world, you're either a goat person or a sheep person. Very rarely do you find someone who is both. And I am definitely, I'm a goat person through and through, not a sheep person. Nope. Sheep yes. baby sheep are cute, but... I'm a goat person, and yes. I do get really excited over them. <laughs> we are team goat for sure. Yes. <laughs> I feel a t-shirt design coming on in my head right now. Yes, <laughs> definitely. So you and your husband got married in 2015. What made you decide to start your own operation? So both of our parents have their own operations. My parents have longhorn cattle and goats. Um, his mom and dad have cattle as well, and his dad is obsessed with horses. And so we have 
both of our backgrounds are in livestock, and we both love livestock. And so we wanted to do our own thing. And, you know, as you grow up, you kind of want to do it your way and, and do your own thing. And so when we got married, we we both had some cattle we inherited from parents, and then we bought some new ones together, and we've grown that herd, and I've grown my own goat herd, and we have even added in some mini herfords to the mix. So we've got a little bit of everything that we just enjoy doing. That's awesome. So do you direct market your meat, or is it commercial? So we do meat for ourselves, for our personal consumption and our families, and then we actually sell live calves at the sale at the local auction. I would love to direct market meat. I want to so bad, but we don't have easy access to a butcher around here, a USDA-certified um place to do our meat and I know that so many people struggle with that all across the country and 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 it's a problem here the last time I took last summer I had three goats that I took to be harvested and butchered and I drove ended up driving three hours to go to a USDA certified place because that was my only option the only other one that was closer than that I called in June and they told me it would be next April before they could get to me that is insane. That is it such, is. That's such a common problem that I hear from not only the U.S., but also here in Canada, especially for people mm-hmm. that are more in the rural prairies, like more rural than I guess I am. And it's just so fascinating mm-hmm. to me. And obviously, if it's three hours away, that eats up your profits by yes. bringing these goats there and back. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it kind of makes it a little difficult to be direct marketing. And especially when it comes to the goats, because, you know, like cattle, we have custom harvesters that are closer. And so, like, I could sell half a cow and take it to the place, and then the customers could tell them how they want their half a cow cut up, and then they could pick it up. And we have those places, and you can do that with cattle. But with goats, it's not as easy to sell, you know, half a goat or a quarter of a goat and have it custom harvested for our customers. Um, It's so... The carcass size is so different. It's on such a different scale. That's what I was just about to interrupt you and say, like, a quarter of a goat wouldn't be very much meat at all. So <laughs> Exactly. So that's an ongoing struggle around here. And like I said, I know so many people in our industry struggle with that wherever they are. But I do have some friends that I rodeoed with that are actually building a new place less than an hour from us. And it's supposed to open this summer. And so I'm really hoping that that's going to be an option for us to look into as far as um, harvesting our meat goes. Well, that is exciting. Shop Wild Rose Farmer is an online store specializing in apparel and accessories for the fine farming, ranching, and homesteading community that we are blessed to all be a part of. The shop includes quality graphic t-shirts that I promise are going to be your next favorite shirt. Plus, we can't forget the tank tops to even out those farmer's tans that you're going to get from your new favorite tea. Plus, hats, crewnecks, mugs, and more that you are just going to love. Your purchase from Shop Wild Rose Farmer directly supports the Rural Woman podcast. Join the Wild Rose Farmer community email list and receive 10% off your first purchase. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com shop to check out the new latest and greatest designs. So tell us more about the demand for goat meat in Arkansas. Like I was chatting with you before we started recording. I'm surprised that there is a market 
in Arkansas, but again, I'm just being biased and just me thinking, like, where in the world people eat goat meat, and I wouldn't think Arkansas was a place they would. You know, the ethnic population is one of the biggest areas that we can market to as far as meat goat goes, and that's selling the live animal as well as the meat. We have different populations, whether it's Hispanic or or Indian, both of them populations around here really enjoy goat meat. And so we can provide them with a live animal to harvest to their specifications or some places around here do sell the meat already harvested for them. And so that's been a, a big influence on our ability to sell goats. But the main thing that we do is for our family, we love goat meat and it's probably my preferred meat of choice whenever I'm cooking and so the more that we've cooked with it over the years whether it's the church potluck or family get together more people around have discovered that they like it too and so I feel like if I get to the point where I can direct market the goat meat that I'll have people that will want to buy it I will have that demand because we've eaten it we've shared it we've cooked it for other people and then we've shared with them how we feel about it and why we enjoy it so much and so I think that people are are interested to try it even if it's not something that they grew up consuming that is very neat I love that you consume it more than anybody that's really cool off the top of your head what are some of your favorite goat recipes and how you cook it because I know that's a, so that's the thing right like you have to cook it properly and that's what I've heard Yes, and so for the most part, when we harvest our goats, we um, get them ground into ground goat meat, just like your ground hamburger. And ground goat meat tacos are probably my favorite. It takes like five minutes to make because all you got to do is brown it and then put your taco seasoning on it, however you prefer. So that's my favorite. Um, last summer, the ones I took, we actually got goat chops done, so like the loin, the loin chops. And they're amazing. And goat meat, from everything that I've learned, you just want to cook it slow when you're cooking meat cuts. You don't want to cook anything really fast. And I think that's true just about any meat you cook. And I'm not a chef by any means, let me tell you. But everything we've learned is you cook it slow and don't over-season, but don't under-season either. But you want to, you know, you want to let the flavor of the meat come out and when you're cooking. So you want to cook it slow and low heat and keep everything tender. That's amazing. I need to try goat tacos. Oh, I highly recommend it. <laughs> so tell us more about your mini herfers too. I don't know a lot about them. How big do they grow? What is their purpose? Tell me more about them. So... They got started because my mother and I, and I'm a lot like my mom, and we just like to do things differently sometimes and get different animals. And there was an exotic livestock auction, or I think it's called an alternative livestock auction, about three hours from us. And we went one weekend, and we may or may not have come home with two alpacas. And then we decided that alpacas maybe weren't what we wanted to do, so we sold the alpacas. And then we, the next time we went, we came home with mini herfords. And we um, started with uh, one, and she was bred. She was um, 18 months old, and she was second period bred. And so we had a baby out of her, and we were so excited, and we fell in love. So right now, we have three at my house. I have a bull named Little Ricky, and then I have Ethel and Dory. And they are, when I stand up, they come up to about my hip. I am not good with measurements or weight. 
estimations. I'm a terrible livestock farmer when it comes to that. But I would say they're about 40 inches hip height. And um, there are some that are smaller than that. There are some that get a little bigger than that. But their hips come up about to my hip whenever I'm standing. So they're not very big. And I just love the Hereford breed anyways because their temperament, they're just calm and chill and don't get really excited about anything and they're so sweet and so I love our mini Herefords and most people just think that they're pets but they can be used for beef just like a regular size cow and what's neat about that is if you think about people that maybe have homesteads and only have you know two or three acres and they don't have enough land to raise full-size cattle but if they want to raise beef for their family they could get a miniature cattle to raise and feed out and grow and then have enough meat for their family but not be overgrazing their small homestead either. Sarah Beth, you are giving me so many good ideas right now and my, <laughs> husband, my husband is going to be so mad at you. <laughs> it's okay. He'll be fine. They're cute. He'll get over it. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Mine has learned to live with it. My dad and my husband, they just don't even act surprised when my mom and I pull up with random animals anymore. They just smile and nod and go with it. So he'll get there. I think secretly, like I'm your soul sister from, you know, another mom. I could yes, be adopted by, definitely. by your mom. This sounds definitely. like something I would like to do with you. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to come visit us and we'll take you to an alternative auction. And there's no telling what you'll take back to Canada with you. Oh, my goodness. I, we have an auction. It's called the Odd and Unusual Sale at a local town near us, and it is my favorite. I need to go to that. It is my favorite event of the year. They have, like, three of them over the summer, and I literally go and just watch because I just am in awe of all of the things that people bring in, including, like, broken lawn furniture from their garage, and then there'll be a oh my gosh beside it. Like, it is just amazing. <laughs> But so the, anyway. the auction that we go to, they have they have one coming up, and they have a monkey for sale. And, like, I kind of want the monkey, and then I'm like, I know I really don't want it because it would be like having a toddler with me at all times. But it's a monkey. Like, I just want to go see it. And they have kangaroos. Oh, And my they've had camels. They had a baby camel one time, and I really wanted to bring that home. And I told my husband, camels eat thistles, or so I've been told. I say this like I know, and I really don't. But if they eat thistles, then they would be great weed control for the farm. So I totally need one, right? <laughs> Honestly, after, <laughs> after watching the Tiger King, like, I am not surprised by any of this. <laughs> I have not watched that yet, but I have heard some stories and read some articles, and it sounds very entertaining. <laughs> it is. It is something. <laughs> That's all I will say about that. <laughs> So you and your husband both have full-time jobs off of the farm. So tell us more about what you do and how you both manage farming and full-time work. It's crazy. I will start with that. Um, my husband works full-time for a farmer in the next county over, so they do row crops. My husband row crop farmed before he married me and moved up here. So he got a full-time job working with this farmer and they grow uh, corn and soybeans and rice, and so he, you know, spring through harvest, he is super busy there, and I have to step up on 
taking more of a management role on our farm because he's working daylight to dark most times. And um, my full-time job is I'm a county extension agent for the 4-H program in our county. And so it is also a full-time plus more job off the farm. And then as anyone who has a farm knows, it's a full-time job on its own. So it, it can get crazy. It can get hectic. We have to arrange our schedules sometimes. I feel like we sit down with the calendar and we're like, all right, when are you going to be gone? When, are, when am I going to be home? Who's going to be able to feed animals? Um, luckily, my parents are down the road. We kind of have a compound is what I call it. But so if something happens and I do have to work late and something needs to be checked, they can help out in the busy times. But it's uh, chaos. Organized chaos is what I feel like it is most of the time. I try, I'm kind of a perfectionist and kind of OCD, and so I try to organize things as best I can, but it never works out that way, especially not when you're dealing with animals. But it's, it's worth it. I will say that. It's definitely worth it. That's awesome. So did you grow up doing 4-H then, or was it just rodeo that you did? I did a little bit of 4-H growing up, not a whole lot. I wasn't super involved. When I got into high school, I was very involved in um, FFA. So that's been a joy for me as a 4-H agent now is and seeing all these kids that I work with in the 4-H, and then when they get to be old enough to get involved in FFA, I have so many that do both. And when I was in high school, I didn't realize that both was an option. And there's so many things you get out of both organizations. I'm so proud to be involved with both of them. And these kids just have so many opportunities to succeed, and both of these organizations can help them with that success. And so it's really one of the best things about my job is seeing these kids work through 4-H from age 5 on, and then when they get in high school, they add in some FFA in that. And they have all these life lessons that they learn to these organizations, and it helps them succeed in life. That's awesome. I only hear wonderful things about 4-H and FFA, and I just think it's wonderful what you guys are doing for these kids and teaching them the responsibility. It's awesome. It's a great program, and I think if kids have the opportunity to do it, they definitely should. Definitely, I agree. And so many people think that, oh, I don't have livestock, so I can't be involved in SFA and 4-H. It's so much more than that. Our 4-H, where I'm at, we have kids that are really into technology. We have the traditional, like, home ec type stuff. We have kids that are that can out-sew me any day. They can make anything with their hands almost. And then some of them are awesome cooks. We had a cook contest a couple weeks ago, and these kids are awesome in the kitchen, let me tell you. And then we've got some that are photographers and some that just want to do outdoor adventure type stuff. And it's just amazing that with 4-H, there is something for every child, no matter what they're interested in, we can find a 4-H project for them. That's awesome. That is so great. So let's talk a little bit about how the current state of the world is affecting the 4-H program. And like we discussed before, today is the day that we're recording, and today is April the 7th. And the day that your episode comes out will be May 29th. <laughs> so, obviously, with uh, COVID-19 and coronavirus and all of the things, how is this affecting the 4-H program in your area and throughout the country? Well, right now in Arkansas, we are not having any in-person meetings, of course. Yesterday, our governor closed down school buildings for the rest of the school year. And so we had been on 
a closure from mid-March to mid-April. That was the original goal. And then with the advancements that we've had yesterday, he decided to close schools for the rest of the school year. And so with the schools being closed, we are following suit. We're following the governor's direction, and we are not hosting any in-person 4-H activities. But that doesn't mean that the learning has to stop. Just like with the schools and the kids are still learning online, we have, we call it AMI around here, Alternative Methods of Instruction. And we are following suit with 4-H. And so I've been on Facebook daily trying to post activities that they can do at home or science experiments they can do with things that they would have in the pantry. And then we're also encouraging them to make videos of themselves working on their 4-H projects to share with the rest of the kids in the county. So that gives them a chance to practice their public speaking technology skills making a video because Lord knows it's not as easy as some people make it look. And then they're sharing their project with other kids and other 4-H'ers and so those 4-H'ers might decide, hey, that's a project that I'm interested in. That looks like something I might be good at. And so we're really encouraging the kids to step out of their comfort zone and either learn something new or share what they're learning with others. That is very neat. And I think it's so cool that 4-H is going online with this and like you said the learning doesn't have to stop and the teaching doesn't have to stop we just have to think about it in a different way now and uh, that's very cool that they're able to still connect with each other online and work on their projects and their animals and everything and still stay connected and kids are so resilient so they're bouncing back from this and they're so much more technologically inclined than I was at their age or even I am now and so if I just have an idea of you know, do y'all want to try to meet somehow? They'll have a meeting set up on Zoom before I can even finish thinking my thoughts. So it's really cool to see them step up and take charge and take on, you know, that ownership role in our program and um, and show others what they know how to do. Very cool. Very cool. Oh, I just love 4-H. I always say I wish I was It's amazing. <laughs> it is oh. an amazing program. Yes, for sure. So... Sarah Beth, on top of working full-time and farming, you also have a blog and Etsy shop. So tell us more about how and why you started this project. So I've always been a writer of some sort. I've always liked to put my thoughts into words on paper. And growing up, I wrote poems all the time. And as I got older, I liked the blogging styles of some people. And I liked to, to read what people wrote. And I thought, I can do that. And so I had decided a few years back that I wanted to start one for the farm and share my thoughts and I don't know that I've posted anything in the last six months because life has been crazy but it's fun to have that there and so when I do have some thoughts that I need to get out of my brain I can write them down and, and post them and share them with the world because one thing I've learned through you know meeting people like you through Instagram and podcasts is that I'm not alone. There's other people that are going through the same things I am. They're celebrating the same wins I am, or they're dealing with the same disappointments I am. So maybe by sharing my thoughts on the subject, other people can relate, or I can help them feel better about things that are going on in their lives. So I started the blog, and then I had the idea to... I am not a podcaster because I don't like hearing myself on recordings, but I wanted to share stories of other females in the agricultural world that I was getting to know through Instagram. And so I started a feature I called Female Farmer Fridays. And so I was sending these wonderful women questions about themselves, their role in agriculture, and 
like goals they had set for their farm and what they like to do outside of the farm and if they had full-time jobs on the side. And then I was sharing their answers along with their pictures on my blog, and I had the best response from that. And it was more fun for me just because I got to know these women like yourself that did one, and I got to know them better, and I got to share their stories with other people. And so that's probably the most rewarding thing I've done on the blog since I started was just interviewing these wonderful women. It's so wonderful, and thank you again for allowing me to be featured on your blog. It was so great filling out that interview. It was my pleasure. Yeah, it, it's honestly like I just love learning about other women and what they're doing on their farm and what their roles are because they're so diverse and they're so different, but there's so many similarities. Have you been loving the Rural Woman podcast? Are you wondering how you can support the show? Well, friend, I'm happy to announce that I've recently joined Patreon. What is Patreon? Well, it's a membership-based platform that provides a simple way for you to contribute to the Rural Woman podcast every month and get exclusive rewards in return. Memberships start as low as $2 a month. Seriously, that's less than your grande, skinny, extra hot caramel macchiato with whip. Wondering what the rewards are? Well, they include promo codes for Shop Wild Rose Farmer, draws for the Rural Woman podcast merchandise, shout outs on the show, and more. Your financial support of the Rural Woman podcast will help make it possible for the stories of women in agriculture to continue to be shared. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to find out more information about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Tell us more about your Etsy shop now. You have some great downloads available for people and their farms. So I mentioned earlier, I'm a little OCD, and I really like things to be organized. And so I was working on a way for me to keep my records on the goats and the cattle that we have. And when I was doing this, I thought, you know, other people would probably use something like this, too. And so I pulled them up on Adobe, and I made them where they were fillable forms. And then I made some for cattle, goats and lambs and then I made a form for farm inventory so I was working on my taxes that year and I was like I've got to have an inventory list and I was like I bet everyone else needs an inventory list for their farm too so I made one of those and then I when we were in the middle of hay season and hay season wears me out because there's always something that needs to be fixed or something that needs to be done and I feel like we're always behind because we're both working full-time jobs and so I made a, a printable on hay season to keep up with how much fuel we've bought, how many supplies we've bought, how many acres we've bailed, how many times we've bailed it, have we fertilized it, things like that. And so I made that into a printable form too and I just put them on my Etsy shop for fairly cheap and Tell people, you know, buy it once and you can print as many copies as you need. You can print them and handwrite them if you're old school or you can have them on your computer or your tablet and fill them out as you go. And so I just made them and I wanted to share them because there's no reason to reinvent the wheel for everyone in agriculture. That's absolutely true. And I think that's kind of like a great motto that you have. It's if I'm going through this or if I'm experiencing this, then somebody else probably is too or they need it right so it's all about mm-hmm. sharing our stories because like you said like you're not alone in this and we are in this together and if you're going through it somebody else is going through it too so that is great what is the link to your SD shop so people can find these forms it'll be flying pig cattle co and so i think it's etsy.com slash flying pig cattle co 
Perfect. And I will put that link in the show notes so people can Thank find you. them and connect with them. You bet. So my last question for you. What do you think is the most rewarding part about being a farmer for you? I think that I would say it's being involved in feeding people because even if I'm not selling them the meat, I'm selling the goat or I'm selling the calf that will, whose purpose in life is to feed either my family or someone else's family. And knowing that I'm taking part in something that's feeding the world, even on a small scale, is very rewarding. Absolutely. Feeding the world, and especially in times like these, are is a very rewarding thing to be doing. It is. I mean, people going crazy, going to the grocery store and stocking up on meat, and I don't know about y'all, but like grocery stores around here were selling out of meat, and knowing that I had enough in the freezer to feed my family for a long time if I needed to, it was just so relaxing, and it was like that's one less thing that I need to stress about in today's world, and knowing that other people in the world have freezers full of meat because of an industry I'm a part of, that makes me feel really good as well. Absolutely. It's great to be a farmer. I just love it. <laughs> it is. And I love being, ta- I love talking to you and your cute little accent and all of the things. So thank you so much, Sarah, <laughs> for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it very much. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? So Etsy, Instagram, and Facebook is all Flying Pig Cattle Co. And that's where I share most of my journey is on Instagram or Facebook. That's awesome. Well, thank you again. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode with Sarah Beth Johnson. I I have a hard time not using my fake Southern accent when I say her full name. <laughs> oh, boy. So as you may have heard my great idea in the beginning of our episode about the t-shirt design, whether you are team goat or team sheep, or team lamb, I guess. Well, I went ahead and did it. So you guys can head on over to Shop Wild Rose Farmer and get your hands on your team tank top. So we all know which one that I got, but I need to know, are you team goat or are you team sheep? So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com shop and claim your team. These uh, tank tops that I designed are going to be limited editions, so they will be off of the shop very soon. So make sure you get your hands on yours before they are gone. And one last thing that I wanted to mention before I leave you guys this week, next week is June. And in celebrating June, we are going to be celebrating June Dairy Month here on the Rural Woman Podcast. So over the next four weeks, you are going to hear from some amazing women in the dairy industry, not only in the United States of America, but I also found a couple Canadian dairy farmers that will talk to me. So I'm excited to share all of their stories over the next month on June Dairy Month. So thank you guys again so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. And will you guys do me a favor? If you guys have some friends in the dairy industry, or you are a dairy farmer, or any of the things, suggest to them that they subscribe to the Rural Woman Podcast wherever they listen, so they don't miss an episode next month. I 
am bursting with so much pride for these women and their industry and all that they do. And I think they really need some love. So make sure you guys are subscribed to the Royal Woman podcast so you don't miss an episode. And we will see you all back here next week. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.